Hey everyone, welcome to We Weren't Friends in High School, the podcast where I reunite with high school classmates from my graduating class of Wizzick in High School in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I'm Brad Corbett, class of 2001. Before it gets started, of course, I want to thank Kelly Rosario for episode 202. We just had a lot of fun laughing and singing and talking about things that I have not talked about with people in 20 years. And given the times that we are living in now, the racial discussion just proved to be extra timely. So if you missed it, that is 202 in the archives. Also, two weeks ago on a Saturday night, I did a live broadcast on Facebook.com slash WWF in HS with Jessica Ignon, a.k.a. Just Davis, who is a deputy sheriff out in California. Now, Jess had actually done a podcast that will be coming up next in two weeks after this episode. And we talked about her career and her struggles being a black police officer. But things changed very drastically since the time that we had talked. And Jess just wanted an opportunity to get a lot of things off her chest. So we had a really good conversation, a really healthy conversation, where Jess was able to talk about things from her perspective as not only a police officer, but as a trainer in the police academy and as a black woman. And for me, it was great to have someone so accessible to really every question or every talking point that I've kind of wanted to debate or throw out. So if you missed it, that was at WWF in HS on Facebook, or it's now on youtube.com slash redshirt player, the 100 level of We Weren't Friends in High School. The audio versions are going up on YouTube, as are the Zoom recordings of these videos of the 200 level. The Instagram is We Weren't Friends in High School. And finally, this podcast is available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe. My guest today is Tom Scuderi. Tom is another out-of-stater now in Chicago, and I've talked a few times with Tom just because I follow his Instagram, because he's got awesome food content. He is a chef, and he told me that he's been listening to the podcast when he rides his bike. I can remember having like one class with Tom, and to be honest, that was probably enough for me to think that I knew him, uh, but I didn't really. This was another all-night conversation, and it really felt like we were in the same room, even though we were staring at computer screens. I do mention pretty early on in this interview that I was actually pre-gaming in a previous Zoom with some former classmates prior to this interview. So when I got into the Zoom room with Tom, um, I still definitely had that same energy. But Tom and I, like I said, we got along really well and we talked about a wide range of topics and emotions. All right, here is Tom Scuderi. How are you? I'm pretty good, man. How yeah. you doing? All right. Making out okay with all this? Uh, yeah. It's a little, uh, I picked a bad year to open a new business in January. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing that um, a while back that you were opening a, a restaurant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We opened on um, like January 20th and... So we're only like two, two and a half months in and had to shut down. So that's tough. Yeah. 
Yeah, but hopefully, you know, we had good good traction before we closed. So hopefully we'll be able to come back. Was uh, like takeout or anything like that, like an option for you guys or not, not even worth that? It was. We did just take out for like maybe a week and a half and it actually was going really well. But I don't know. We just started to feel weird about asking our employees to come to work anymore. Like you could tell some people wanted to, some people didn't. It's like we're not yeah. making enough money to pay our whole staff. So, and there was no way that like the, I have like six managing partners at the business, me and five other people. And there was no way that we could do everything ourselves. So uh, we just shut it down. What kind of food is it? Uh, it's actually like uh, Americanized Chinese food. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Interesting. That's, yeah. It feels like something you'd see on like uh, Triple D. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't watched that show in a while. I used to, I lived in California for a while and I lived kind of close to that guy. Oh, really? His, uh, to his original restaurant, yeah. Did you ever uh, meet him? I've, all, I've heard stories about him in the past as far as like the whole thing is like a gimmick. The hair is like a, is like a gimmick. You ever heard anything about him? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, n- I never actually met him and my boss in California did not like him. Um, <laughs> so like I had heard negative things and then coincidentally, you know, years later, um, I've seen my old boss on his, one of his newer TV shows like several times. Okay. So I guess they, they became friends at some point. Okay. Um, well, you know, with everything going on, this gives me kind of the opportunity to do these with people who don't live in the area at all, you know, since everyone's kind of equal now and no one can actually come over here to my house. Um, right. Right. <laughs> so I thought it was a good opportunity to, to try and get you, try and get some time with you. And luckily you had some time. So for sure, man. I mean, I got, I got nothing but time right now. So and I've been loving the, loving the podcast. So. Oh, thanks man. Um, yeah. I've been doing this now, I guess like for the past week and a half or so I've been interviewing people is like the bulk of what my time has been now just doing different, different interviews and zooms with people. So, uh, has everybody been local still, although it's a zoom or you, you get no, pretty much, uh, everyone's been out of state except for one so far. Um, mm-hmm. I did JP and he's in Lancaster. Okay. So, um, and then one was in California and one was in Maryland. What you drinking there? Uh, A little Jack and ginger. Nice. Uh, So you're getting me, this is unique. You're getting me a little tuned up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just came off of a Zoom happy hour. Okay. Alicia Conti. Nice. uh, Adrian. Um, Leslie Weber, McNitt, um, Leslie, or not Leslie, uh, uh, Lindsay Barlett, Heather Goodwin. Nice. Uh, literally like a half hour ago, I just came from that. So, <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> they mentioned you. So, uh, I didn't, I told them, I gave them a, a little bit of a hint and I said, I said, I have to go because I have to get ready to do a podcast with someone I'm, I think you guys were like friends with. So um, I don't know if they're going to send out a group text or die to know. They think it's Eric Nelson. That's who they assume I mean. Okay. 
don't know. Was that your crew? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I hung out with Alicia a lot, Lindsay Barley. Leslie Weber is actually my uh, neighbor right across the street from me. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She moved in there. I can't remember when she moved there. I had another neighbor that I was friends with that lived in her house. And I, I feel like Leslie came around sometime in middle school, maybe. I remember Leslie from um, summer camp. And then, yeah, I feel like seventh grade, she ended up at Wissahickon. And I was like, oh, my God, that's a girl from summer camp. She was tall. And so you don't forget, like, tall girls like that. And she had a redhead friend, Caitlin. I want to say Caitlin Kelly. Does that sound familiar? The name sounds familiar, but I can't picture the face. Well, that'll be for Leslie's podcast, I guess. Um, <laughs> are, are we recording are we live we're recording yeah yeah we're live we're, we're doing it. hey so where do you live exactly i'm jealous of your uh oh. hosts in the italian market i'm i'm in i'm at nine and carpenter so across cool. the street right here is esposito's do you know like any of the shops any of the butchers or anything like that? uh i feel like it's probably changed a lot since i was there i last lived in the city in 2009. Okay. Um, get then. What's that? I was in Connecticut then. Oh, okay. Uh, where were you in the city then? Um, my first apartment was in Old City, a place called the Chocolate Works. You ever heard yeah. of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it was an old chocolate factory that turned into an apartment building. Yeah. Um, and then my wife now, my, my girlfriend at the time moved in with me and we found another place. We were searching all over the city and, uh, this guy was showing us apartments. And then like at the the end of the day, he was like, I don't know if you'd be interested, but I've got a, uh, one bedroom with a roof deck in Rittenhouse for 900 a month. Wow. And I was like, are you serious? That's crazy. Yeah. I'd be interested. I mean, this is 2009, but still like we had a, um, like a fourth floor walk up on 21st and spruce with like our own private roof deck for 900 a month. Rooftop works at out here. Yeah. I loved it there. I mean, I hope to be back in Philly at some point. Um, yeah, I, I lived at 19 in Fairmount for a year, uh, mm-hmm. back maybe like 2012 and had a rooftop there. And that was the best thing. It's like the only thing missing here is a rooftop at my mm-hmm. point yeah, I see you talking about uh, gym steaks a lot. Not- oh, yeah, I love gyms. I love gyms too, but I feel like that's not a common favorite for people. I feel like you get some some hate for saying that. I don't know. It's your go-to spot. I feel like uh, Pat's and Geno's is like the big hate spot. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, what's the – D'Alessandro's is the one everyone loves, loves. Yeah. D'Alessandro's is like the, the big favorite. And gyms is kind of the obscure – got to kind of know it to even know anything about it type of place. Mm -hmm. But it's not, you know, you have to wait outside in the line around the corner on South street before you can even get inside when the line's really bad. Um, But they have indoor seating and they sell beer. Right. So very different than a Pat's and Gino's and Del Sandro's. Yeah. Do you have a spot? I love gyms when I was living there. Um, 
But as far as like growing up uh, around Wissahickon, I think think Pudgies was my spot. Do you remember Pudgies? Yeah, we were just talking about that on the Zoom. Pudgies is the spot. Pudgies is great. Yeah. I'm like, so really, you call Pudgies? Oh yeah, yeah. Why? What's the? Am I? Am I wrong? No, I saw. So I used to argue this with someone. I can't remember who. Um, someone used to call Pudgies, and I used to call Pudges, and I guess because there's two E's in there, but I always call Pudges. And I hear both. It's like a 50-50 split on what people call it. So it's interesting. I haven't heard that in a while, that you call Pudgies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that place. That place and Palermo's are probably my two uh, old school, high school memories of food, I would say. Okay. Palermo's, yeah, right on uh, in Center Square. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, when did you, did you start Wissahickon the whole time from kindergarten? No, I actually, I was born in New Jersey um, and my family moved here in 1990, I want to say 91. Okay. So I started at Bluebell in second grade and I actually, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I remember my mom saying I like just made the cutoff to be in second grade age wise. So I'm like... Yeah, like an August birthday or something. November. And um, I think Umma might have said something about this. I think me and Umma and maybe I might have been the youngest person in our grade. So I was was 17 when I started college. I wasn't even 18. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, So you were like, so what grade then did you actually start Bluebell 1990s? That would have been. I started in second grade. So Mr. you're Bones. like six then, actually? Uh, no, I was, well, I was born in 83. So yeah, so I would have been. So you were seven. Seven, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like getting into high school and everything, I mean, um, my friends, I like James Eckert and Doug King, two of my closest friends, I feel like were on the older side of our grade. So they were like a full year and a half older than me, I think. Wow. Okay. That explains the full grown beard. Okay. We're getting somewhere here. (laughs) Yeah. I actually, you know, after you and I were in contact, I found my old yearbooks Mm -hmm. and seeing Doug's full goatee in 10th grade. He looks like a flight club. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Yeah. So were they your friends in elementary school when you, when you moved here or? Elementary, well, when I first moved here, the first friend I remember having was uh, Dave Carlin, actually, who was in the grade below us. Okay. Um, When I moved here, I know I had had chicken pox really bad, and he did too. So my parents and his parents just, like, threw us in a room together, and we're like, you guys are both the chicken pox kids. So he was, like, the very first person I met in Pennsylvania. Um, and then when I started school, I met Pete Whitaker pretty early on. Um, who else was in my grade school classes? Richie Valiga? Remember yeah. that name at all? Went out with Kelly Brook. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just did, I just did a thing with, with Kelly Brook and that was like her boyfriend the entire time through, um, middle school and high school. Did he, 
did he go to high school with us? Cause no. I remember middle school. Okay. No, he went to another school, but they stayed a, a couple through her time in high school. Until, okay. Until she left for college. Yeah. I'm a big rich Faliga historian. <laughs> so what did you guys, what would you do then as a kid? What were you into growing up? Like uh, elementary school? Yeah. Just, you know, like I was into, I was probably getting into like wrestling. I like basketball. Um, I was probably into Ninja Turtles, but I like riding bikes. But what kind of stuff did you like doing as a kid for fun? Yeah, I think just being outside uh, causing mayhem. I remember Pete, Pete lived on uh, Cathcart Road, like right across from Monco. Mm-hmm. And it was back when Monco was kind of like, they were doing some kind of expansion way back then or something. So we used to be over there in the construction zone and uh, wander our neighborhoods a lot. I would say yeah. um, a lot of probably super Nintendo probably was at that point. And then like getting into middle school, like skating became the major part of my life. And I think that's how really? I a lot of friends like inline skating and skateboarding. Yeah. Were you better at one than the other or did you like one more than the other? Uh, I was probably better on skates, but I think skateboarding was the, the cooler of the two sports. Did you ever, did you ever, um, so I used to love roller skating as a kid, uh, but I was never good at rollerblading. Remember the movie? I couldn't skateboard at all. Do you remember the movie Airborne? Yes. Oh, that was my shit. I remember when that movie <laughs> came out, I had to get like inline skates because I had wanted to try it out, but I just couldn't move like those guys were moving, so I just blew it. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I was like, at that time, it was huge. I mean, I remember the X Games were so big, inline skating was so big, and now I don't even think, I don't think you could buy a pair of like, inline skates somewhere that are for extreme skating, like on ramps and stuff like that. Oh, there's like a difference. I mean, I still see people rollerblading in my neighborhood, but I don't see people like, you know, grinding Fresh. on rails or anything like that. Yes. Um, but skateboards are still a thing, right? Skateboards. Are still skateboards. Thing. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you skateboarded with friends, rollerblade with friends. Yeah. Um, so like me, Pete, and then must've been in middle school. I met Doug King and James Eckert and Jay. So and yeah, that Jay like our, yeah. And, um, Ryan Wiesman. And that was like our whole skating crew. Our, our parents used to take us to this place called cheap skates. Where is that? It was like way down. I want to say Bethlehem Pike. There was like a roller skating rink that kids used to have parties at or an ice skating rink. And it was pretty close to there. So there's 309 skate all the way up 309. There was, um, there was young skating rink in Bluebell, right? Where the, where the, uh, the library is. Okay. I'm probably thinking of down 309 then. I don't know. Okay. I haven't. But there could have been one before that. Cause that's when I was kind of out like middle school through high school, I was out of anything that was a physical activity. I just wasn't interested or knowing anything about it. So, yeah. <laughs> so I was, but like, I do know 309 skate was the thing like senior year is when I became aware of that. Mm-hmm. But young skating rink 
was where the library was in Bluebell, um, Young Skating Center, whatever it was called. That was the only other one I knew, but there could have been something in Amber. Yeah. So we that, were, I, I don't know what town that was in, but I remember, I mean, our, our parents would just like drop us off there. And then we would just get in all kinds of trouble once we were there. When you got to middle school, did you lose any friends or gain more friends? It's all potted out. So some of it's out of your control because you just don't see kids the entire year. What was your, your social life like in middle school? I feel like middle school was like a, like a speed dating kind of round. There was like a lot of meeting a lot of kids, meeting a lot of new kids, like having kind of brief friendships. And then I feel like it really somewhere between like eighth and ninth grade really like tightened up and slimmed down for me into like a select few people. Did that, so some stuff like that are the things that I think about still to this day that like, I don't know, bother me, but makes me curious, curious enough to like do this podcast and talk to people. So for you, did you think about things like that? Like uh, I was friends with this guy for like, you called speed, like speed dating, but for friendships, do you think about those things of like, I was friends with this guy for a month and a half and now we're not friends anymore. Or did things like that, like register to you then, or is that just reflective? I think it's just reflective. And honestly, I, like I, I pulled out, I didn't even know I had, I, I have my middle school yearbooks here. Um, which I didn't even know I had. Yeah. And just reading some of the names in there, I was like, oh yeah, we were kind of friends back then. And then I don't, I don't really know. I mean, it just like uh, naturally kind of like slimmed down to, I think people started to figure out what their interests were a little bit more as we got into closer to high school. Yeah. That's, uh, that's something I'm starting to realize a little bit, like with Alicia and she wrote this whole thing in my yearbook. Um, about like how she felt about me as a friend and how great of a person she thought I was. And I remember nothing about Alicia, like as far as friendship or talking to her or me even being nice to her. So to read that, I just go, huh? So I, I, I'm starting to learn. I don't remember. And even with like Sean Mackeman, like I just, until he brought it up, I just don't remember a lot of the relationships as much as I thought I did when I started this podcast. <laughs> Right. Me too. I listened to your uh, episode with Alicia the other day and it's funny because she wrote something very long in my seventh grade yearbook too, which I totally okay. didn't remember. I remember that we were friends even at Bluebell um, and she lived pretty close to me right over on Evans Road too. But yeah, I have a long note from her basically saying if I ever get a girlfriend, she'd be happy for me. And that was in seventh grade. Um, when you were, so for you socially, then, um, who did your friends start becoming as a, as a, cause I feel like you were part of the cool kid crew, right? Is that like your, I don't know. I mean, um, I feel like, yeah, I kind of had connections with a lot of those people, but I don't think that I ever felt cool. I feel like being as young as I was, I feel like I was always behind the curve a little bit. Um, I was extremely sarcastic and uh, I feel like that was kind of like a defense mechanism because I was kind of like more immature than everybody that I knew, I think. Okay. Makes sense. But it was like, yeah, I mean, I 
mainly was hanging out with uh, James and Doug and Pete and Jay. And like we, we were pretty close with Heather Goodwin and Rena Lewis and Alicia. And then like all of those, all of those guys lived in a different neighborhood and we all had like extended relationships based off the neighborhood we were in, I would say. You know, I used to go to Pete's and then through Pete, I was friends with James Yu. I used to hang out with Forrest Sellers all the time. Wow, yeah. yeah. Um, he lived right down the street from Pete. And then uh, Doug lived like, well, right next door to uh, Chris Warren and mm-hmm. right down the street from Javier. And then Javier was good friends with George Cortez and Joe Brown. So like we would end up at, with, with Joey Blake and George Cortez all the time. Dude. I know Javier has been mentioned a lot and I actually saw him in Miami a couple years ago too. So part of that. This is yeah. exactly <laughs> how I envisioned the cool kid crew. This is it. Everyone is like connected with everyone else in some way through someone else. And it's just like accepted. You know what I mean? Like it's, um, I don't know, like you can go to whoever's house because you're friends with that person, that person's friends with that person, like the way you just webbed it together like that. That's how I envisioned it. <laughs> to me, I always thought that like, uh, I don't know, like, like Pete Stampone and Amma and, and Dan Cassidy and like the more, um, I don't want to say jocks because I don't think any of them really were jocks, but like soccer. The That's like the soccer heavy teams, people right? were like, I thought that those were like the cool kids. And yeah, I hung out with them sometimes, like especially at Natalie Coonert's house. She lived right at the end of my street. Um, so I was there at parties that she had and stuff, but I don't think that I had, you know, they had like their own tight knit group. And I always mm-hmm. thought that they were like, the cool kids and we were yeah. kind of like the this weird stoner skater group that's interesting so that's funny how like from the outside then me kind of like stereotyping a larger group um but you living the life that you're living the way that you look at it, is like you're not even a part of that group either um and i'm just kind of basing it off of the fact that i don't hang out with any of you <laughs> I remember being scared of you in in high school, man. What? Um, yeah, I well, like I said, I was like super sarcastic and like really quick with yeah. like. Uh, I don't think I was mean spirited, but you know, I don't. I wouldn't say I was a bully, but I was definitely like would use my sarcasm to try to. I don't know. I wanted attention. I think I was craving attention. Yeah, me too. But I remember. Yeah. And some, at some, I said something to you in like science class in ninth grade or something like that. And you came back with something so quick that I don't know, it like, it like struck me deep. And I was like, Oh no, I better not fuck with this guy. He's got my number. You know? Oh really? Like, <laughs> like, like I said something. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, cause I would like joke around and, you know, poke people all the time. And, sure. um, I don't know. You were just, you were just one of the guys that like you were able to combat whatever I said. And I was like, Oh no. See, that makes me, (laughs) um, that makes me happy because I feel like, um, you know, I was so into comedy, uh, growing up and still am and obviously like talking. Um, but you know, that's more of my style of combativeness. 
right? Like jabs at each other. And yeah. I, it, so when you said you were afraid of me, I go, oh no, what did I do? You know, thinking like, maybe I like, maybe I like thinking I'm bigger than you. Right. And so I, maybe I hit you or push you. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. I, I, and I don't even know if you don't remember this, maybe it didn't, maybe it didn't even happen. I, I just remember. No, it probably like, did. It probably, I probably said, did. said something rude to you. Who knows? I probably said, made some kind of remark. And, and, and for me, you know, when you, as you're telling the story, I'm thinking, oh, I wouldn't have liked that. Like, as you're saying, you're, you're quick and you're sarcastic and thinking, yeah, because the way I described how I perceived your crew um, or what I thought your crew was, I wouldn't have taken any type of a joke from you. I would have been like, fuck that. Like, that's not, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And again, already establishing now at this point that I was assuming the wrong shit in the first place. So that's where I was still coming from anyway. Um, so I could see me just being a total asshole about it, even if you, but I think that's a lot of the stuff that I used to do is I used to try and make jokes with people and, and, you know, butt into stuff and, and say things about people trying to get a rise and hoping that people would like get in. And if someone kind of snapped back, I'll go, Oh, they're not my friend. <laughs> We're probably pretty similar. We probably could have had a little, a good little comedy thing going on. Yes. Yeah. So you said like a middle school, um, skateboarder kind of stoner crew, um, did you feel, did you guys party? What did you guys do other than be stoners? <laughs> Which I know sometimes can take up the whole day, but. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, we spent a lot of time just like outside um, cruising around on our skates, on our skateboards. There was a, there was a place by Doug's house. Like, you remember where 309 Cinema was? Mm-hmm. And across the street from there, there used to be, I, I know it's not there anymore, but there was a shopping center. There was a place called like English Gino, Village? Gino's Pizza in there. Yeah, where English Village is? I don't know. Was that English Village? It's like, it was like a, it was probably an empty shopping center for a long time. And behind there were condos. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, yes. uh, I lived when I was first born. My parents lived there until I was like four. Rachel Kim as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we used to spend time over there when it was like, I think Gino's was the only business that was functioning there. And right, it was to, all, wow, yes. We used to break into yeah. every other building there. Like, that was things we would do. There was the, the, the businesses that had gone out of business that were empty, and we used to find our way inside of there. And Wow. For those wondering now, it's like where the Iron Hill Brewery, like there's Iron Hill right, in there right. now and other random shit. But um, so from the time I lived there, I remember, you know, growing up with like there was a drugstore in there and everything. But as the years went on, late 80s, everything kind of dropped out and it was just abandoned pretty much everything except for, yeah, the pizza place and just kind of the remnants. It's the type of shit you see on YouTube. Mm -hmm. go around like scavenging old abandoned shopping centers and they left it like that for a long time they did yeah i mean i even um my parents i don't know how they weren't privy to this but like when i was in um younger like grade school middle school i got a tent and we used to like sleep in a tent in my backyard and it was kind of like you know innocent eating a bunch of candy and like staying up all night in a tent. Yeah. 
but then somehow managed to convince my parents that I was like still into that in like (laughs) (laughs) 10th grade even. (laughs) And so like me and uh, a buddy or two would like, you know, set up the tent and then like midnight get on our bikes and like go ride our bike to like Bluebell or to that shopping center. I remember uh, drinking a bottle of Southern Comfort inside that shopping center in like ninth or 10th grade in inside one of the places. So I don't know. I don't know how I made it out of, out of there without getting killed or arrested or something like that. So, and just hanging out with, with friends drinking and then you just go back home. Yeah. Ride the bike back home, wake up in the tent. (laughs) Like everything was normal. I mean, my parents had to know something was going on, but yeah, uh, I mean, that's pretty, I don't know, in the scheme of things, it's pretty innocent. <laughs> I suppose. I don't know. I don't know. It's like you said, it's, I don't know, I guess it's, it's the type of thing that I think, like you said, you felt you were kind of, um, uh, I don't know if the, I can't remember the word you used was immature, but you felt you were a little bit behind uh, kind of your group of, of friends Um, because you were a little bit younger, but I also felt that way. And so for me, I feel like that's like stuff that I maybe would have done, you know, when I was like 19. Right. Yeah. I feel like life, I don't know, adulthood came at us fast at Wissahickon. It seemed like uh, once I, I didn't really realize that until I got to college and was talking to people at college about things I'd done in high school. And I don't know. I I think we, what's that? They were surprised. Yeah, I just, I don't know. There was like a lot of trouble and drugs involved in our high school, I would say. So I, I kind of contend this, that I I always feel, and I think this is part of like me and my complex about the cool kids, um, is that I didn't, you know, I didn't party, but I felt like some of this stuff was, I felt like these things were going on and between all I had was TV to know about these type of things, but then you would hear these stories about parties and what kids were doing on the weekends and our school was so small that everyone would kind of talk about the big event and who got in a fight or who got arrested or who was messing with who and, uh, or who cheated on who and, or whom. And so I always felt like our school was very advanced because it was the type of shit I was like watching on 90210. For sure. But I, some people don't feel that way. Some people feel like very much so like, it was like normal, it was no big deal. But I feel, and maybe this is a, an, an immaturity thing from where we were being younger, but I felt, yeah, like it was way more advanced than stuff I was at all ready for. Uh, yeah, me too. And I feel like I was kind of thrown into it. I think all of my close friends had older siblings, including myself. Um, so that was also like a gateway into the slightly, slightly like upper class people too. You know, my brother was two years older than me and yes. Um, and so like, and, and Pete had a brother grant that was in my brother's grade. I think Doug's sister was in the same grade. Noel, Noel. Uh, James had a brother also up there and it was so like, we kind of had an in with some older crowd too. And, Mm. Yeah, I feel like it it came at me fast and there was definitely 
you know, I wasn't doing like crazy drugs in high school, but that stuff was all around. And I feel like it's, it's not, it wasn't like that everywhere. Um, I mean, I remember when I got to college, uh, one of my roommates had talked to me about taking acid and I was like, Oh, I've, you know, I already had those experiences in high school. Yeah. And, uh, he looked at me like, what, (laughs) what are you talking about? So like those kind of things, I feel like that was, you know, I was probably too young to experience some of those things. Um, I don't know. I think everyone does them at a different, at different ages and it's not uncommon for people at in high school to do that. Um, I think it's a little weirder to do it like at, you know, 40 <laughs> because you've never done it. Um, right, right. One thing to do it because you know what you're doing, but to try it because you've never done it and then to get into it at 40 is a different thing versus I think it's pretty common at, as a teenager to try whatever your friends are doing. Um, was that the, just your friends are doing it and let's do it. Was it, was it your brother uh, and just all the older brothers and influence of older guys are doing this. So let's do it. What was, yeah, I think it was a mix of all of that. I never, I don't think I ever felt like peer pressured into anything. And I don't think I ever, you know, succumbed to peer pressure, you know, yeah. but I think I, there was definitely an aspect of like wanting to fit in. So I don't know. Like, I don't even know how we gained access to those kind of things or how we learned how to find these things. I mean, we used to go to Norristown and like to like random shady areas. And, you know, it felt like the wire, like just buying weed (laughs) off of a guy on a corner in Norristown. We did that often. And I don't know how as like a, you know, pimple faced 15 year old white kid, how I never got into like, some kind of big trouble right doing that stuff it's it's so funny you say that i i remember the talk in school about about weed and just being so unfamiliar with it and like the terms of nicks and dimes and the little tiny baggies that used to come in and just being so unfamiliar with that stuff at all. And then getting to college and trying to act like I knew what anybody was talking about. And I didn't at all. And it took me probably, it probably took me like four or five years out of high school to really understand what anybody was talking about with all the terminology. (laughs) (laughs) I never knew. (laughs) Well, I mean, all that, all that stuff was so, the, the times are so different. I mean, it's like I'm in Chicago here now. It just, got legalized this past year. I have a medical card. It's like, I can't remember the last time I thought like was nervous about holding weed in my pocket or something like that. You know what I mean? It just seems like such a normal thing to me, but in high school, it just, you know, it definitely was frowned upon and like definitely was not okay. When you say that it wasn't, or it was frowned upon, I'm just curious your per, your perception on that or well, for me first and foremost my parents my parents were totally straight edge um my dad like strict old school italian um so like they definitely weren't cool with that uh and teachers and stuff too i just think adults in general but i do think that there were like cliques within our cliques and i don't think everybody thought that us being high all the time was 
cool. I don't know. It was maybe a little dirty. Yeah. Uh, when did you, when did that all, was that like a middle school thing or was that just a high school thing or? Uh, no, that probably started in high school around ninth grade or so. Um, and again, part of that was like, I never, I always got a ride to school with my brother who was like with, who would pick up his friends and like, um, pretty sure I got high before school mm-hmm. almost every single day. Um, as a kid, just being like out of your mind a little bit, hard to, hard to deal with, hard to pull together when you're looking at teachers and bright ass fluorescent lights in school. What's because I don't have any memory of, of looking at kids and going, Ooh, that kid's fucked up. That's not something where I, you know, I, I didn't recognize it. So was that something you could pull together pretty well or? Yeah. I mean, I think honestly, and I could still say this now for anxiety that I have now that I think smoking before school helped me <laughs> sit there, pay attention, shut up and not be like this annoying loud mouth. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think I was ever really worried. There was a couple times where like somebody blew up. I remember Rafi, Rafi Sanchez blew yeah. up my spot real bad one time in um, Mr. Heppy. Was it Mr. Heppy? Yeah. In his class. And great history. In. Yeah. And Rafi, as soon as I sat down, just would not stop saying how bad it smelled like weed in the classroom. <laughs> it stinks like weed in here. It stinks like weed. And I'm sitting right in front of him trying to get him to uh, stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think eventually Mr. Heppy sent me to the nurse. Um, he sent me to the nurse. The nurse thought something was wrong with me and took my blood pressure. And my blood pressure was like extremely high. So she assumed I was high. And I told her I was just uh, being the bullshit artist that I was. I just said I was very nervous about the whole situation that was going on. And she let me sit in the nurse's office for that whole period. Wow. And took my blood pressure again at the end and I was fine. So. (laughs) That's great. Um, I don't remember ever being like worried except for those situations where I almost got caught because my parents definitely would not have been cool with that. Right. But if anything, I think it was helpful for me as far as paying attention goes. Um, Joe, your only brother. Joe was my only brother. Yeah. He passed away in 2015. Yeah. I remember, um, I remember that. I feel like, uh, when people talk about it, like I said, I was just on the zoom and I can't remember exactly the story because I was drinking, but, uh, someone was kind of talking about you and your brother. And I think it was Brianna told a story that was never in the podcast, but um, I have the clip and I actually pulled it. Um, talking about you and your brother. And it seems like uh, just from what people talked about, you and your brother were always are kind of mentioned in a tandem as far as people's memories socially. Um, Is that just a few instances or were you and your brother, uh, you know, he's older, but were you two? We're really tight. Yeah. I I think I was lucky in a way. And now when I look back on it, it's, it's also, it's bittersweet, but like my brother wasn't the type of brother of like, uh, you know, pushing his little brother away and being like, get out of here, little brat. Yeah. Like he included me in everything he did. So I kind of had a window into 
all the friends that he had who I still kind of communicate with a little bit. And yeah, we were really close. So I feel like that. And then I also ended up going to college, the same college as him. Um, Where was that? Bloomsburg with Brianna too. Mm -hmm. We were in the same fraternity in college. So it was like, I kind of, I was with my brother for, you know, a large portion of our life. Um, Mm. So I feel like it was amazing. It was great. You know, he was an awesome guy and he was super popular. So um, it made it easy for me to make friendships without trying. So I feel like I didn't really like learn how to build friendships because of that. Like constantly having somebody like guiding me into situations, I guess. Uh, You mentioned that your friends had older brothers that were friends with your brother, with your older brother from a standpoint of like teachers coming into the school. Was it a known thing where you like recognize, you know, sometimes it's like, Oh, it's the, it's the, it's the Scuderi brothers. You know what I mean? Like, was it, was it anything like that? Or, um, I don't know. Did your brother have a a name about him that once you started coming through the ranks after him, people knew you through him teacher wise? Maybe a little bit. You know, I had two older sisters too. Um, okay. And they're a decent amount older than me. My my oldest sister, I guess, is about eight years older than me. So like, to give you an idea, when, when I played lacrosse in 10th grade, my coach graduated with my sister. Wow. So did they go to Wissahickon at all by the time you guys had moved here from Jersey? Yeah. Out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we moved here, I think my sister was probably starting high school. So they they, okay. they did all of their high school and was Okay. So the family so did you feel like the family name was known? Like did you feel like you were part of a Wizahicken dynasty? You know, like Mr. I don't know. Did you have Mr. Lazar? I did have Mr. Lazar. No, Mr. Lazar always remembered everybody's brother or sister or you know, was it that type of thing with, with teachers at all? Yeah. I just think all my siblings were so different. Like my sisters definitely grew up like, uh, my parents were way more strict with my sisters than they were with me and my brother. And I think it was just like, you know, different time then they had all four kids before they were 30. Like both of them were under 30 when they had all four of us, they were broke in New Jersey. And then I think my dad, got a big break before moving to Pennsylvania. So like my sisters lived a very strict life. Like I remember they couldn't watch a PG 13 movie until they were 13. And, you know, and then it got to like my brother and it loosened up a little bit. And then by the time I was a teenager, I think they were like, I can't fucking take this anymore. Whatever you want to do, dude. dude. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I don't, so I don't know. I don't know if teachers had like a preconceived uh, notion about what I was going to be like in, in school. Uh, I remember Mr. Lazar freaked out on me my first day of class there. That is a big memory for me. Um, I had bought, do you remember those like vials of ginseng they would sell at gas stations? It would be like a, like a glass jar of ginseng, which was like, the equivalent mm. of a Red Bull now. I remember the Arizona teas with ginseng, but that's the only thing I can remember with ginseng back in the day. And that's going off of like my Wawa. <laughs> I used to walk to a gas station by me in Exxon and they had these like ginseng vials and they just look like these little tiny glass vials. 
And I think it was my first day in Mr. Lazarus' class, and I had that sitting on my desk. And I don't know if he thought I just had heroin sitting on my <laughs> desk or something, ah! but he literally freaked the fuck out on me. He oh. came up, he grabbed it, and he said, I'll have you out of this class in a minute and out of this school, kicked out of this school by the end of the day. And then I was like, it's ginseng. I bought it at the gas station. And I think oh. he like, took a minute to collect himself. And then I don't even remember him apologizing to me or anything, but he must have thought that I had like a vial of dope over there or something in ninth grade. Um, so that's a, a big memory I have of him. That's great. Um, did you feel any change going from middle school to high school at all for you? Was anything different socially, same friends still? Doug and Brian Wiesman and Jay Wanso? Yeah, we were friends for most of, well, we were friends throughout high school. Uh, yeah, I think like girls became a much bigger thing once we got into high school. And I also think I was behind the curve on, on that too. Yeah. Um, so so did you, did you date while you're in school? Yeah, I had a couple of girlfriends. Uh, I don't know how I managed to pull it off, but, uh, I think 10th grade or so I was dating Elena Rosenfeld for a yeah. while. Um, and then my junior must've been my junior year. I started dating Natalie Paglione. She was a year older than us. Okay. Which I don't even, I have no idea how I met her. I was going to ask, how does that happen? I have no idea. The only thing I can think is that Elena was on the cross country team and Natalie was like a big track girl too. But yeah, me and her were pretty close. And then she went to, so she was a grade above us. Okay. So she went to Penn state. Um, as I was starting our senior year and we were like still kind of dating and looking back on that now it's it's funny to me like I went up and visited her a couple times as so I was probably like 16 again yeah pimple face little twerp um and meanwhile she's at like fraternity parties with like you know Penn State football players and yeah you know so far out of my league at that point so I think eventually she uh, got rid of me in a kind way. <laughs> um, was your crew dating? Was your, your, like your group of friends dating? Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, I think they were. Um, cause for me, like, so none of my friends really like dated at all. And so dating wasn't even like a thing. I didn't even know how to do it. It wasn't anything I even, I knew how to comprehend or so I don't know for you feeling a little younger for a date. Well, you are a little younger, literally not just feeling, but for you for like a date, what is like dating for you in high school? Like, (laughs) uh, I can remember a couple experiences of going to the movies and it was just like literally just making out in a movie theater during a movie. That was like a, you go with like a, a group? Do you go with a, oh, yeah. just a girl? No, no, a group. And group. there would be like six, you know, four couples all next to each other just making out. Making out. 
God, see, that's, those are the things. These are the things that I missed out on. Group makeout sessions. <laughs> it's not that cool. You didn't miss out on that much, man. <laughs> um, do you have a movie from high school? A movie from high school. I remember going to see Half Baked because there was like 30 of us and we were all smoking a ton of weed outside of the theater. And I don't know how we didn't get in trouble there. So that was like a big, that was a big high school movie. Yeah. I don't know. Did Pulp Fiction come out when we were in high school? Yeah, I feel like that was, uh, when did Speed come out? They came out the same year. That might have been 95. Oh, Speed was a big one. Yeah. Point Break Break was a a big Point Break was even earlier. Big one for me. I just watched that the other day to revisit Uh, my TV. Are you a big Keanu guy? No. no. But for for 94. Pulp Fiction's 94. Okay. So that was some reason Point Point Break really stuck with me. I love that movie so much. Uh, Funny thing about Half Baked is that Neil Brennan, who is Chappelle's writing partner for the majority of of Chappelle's you know, big part of his career uh, talks about when they did half bake that like ruined their friendship for a little bit because the it's, this is why it's funny. You mentioned you loved it because the movie bombed. It, ru- yeah. it ruined their career for years. Like they couldn't get work because the movie was, was deemed horrible by everybody. No one wanted to touch them. Yeah. Have you watched that um, award ceremony for Chappelle on Netflix? I just the Mark Twain. Released? Yeah. I've watched uh I've watched a lot of the YouTube clips that they released uh a few months back. Uh, you should watch it cuz Neil does a, a a lot of talking about that particular I've, I've seen it. Yeah. So. I've se- I've actually watched a lot of Neil's stuff. Uh, I liked his and I loved the Colin Jost uh bit with him and uh Keenan Thompson and Michael Che. Yeah. Yeah. Uh good. where he's you good. And I'm here to represent Mark Twain. <laughs> I love that. I actually, I still have half baked on VHS. Um, I'm a weird hoarder of old DVDs and things. And that's yeah, dude, one of the movies I still have on VHS. I've got like five movies on VHS here at the house. Uh, Forrest Gump, Twister, Jurassic Park, Mighty Ducks. Okay. Mighty Ducks, a big one. That might be it. Do you have a means of watching those VHSs? I have a TV VCR combo upstairs in the room that I normally podcast in. Um, and I don't ever use it. <laughs> That's old school. Like the TV with the VCR built in. Yeah. It's about, it's about like yay wide. About like yay <laughs> deep. Uh, and it's a TV VCR combo with a remote control. Um, so I have a lot of wrestling tapes also being a big wrestling fan. And so for a long time, it was very important to be able to play VHS, VHS tapes. And um, so I've always kept this thing because I can't not have that. Uh, but now there's nothing. I, I never use it. All wrestling stuff is digital now. Um, so they're just paperweights. <laughs> what happened with your, um, with your career? With the – I know with you WWE? worked for – yeah, yeah, for WWE. Oh my God! No, I, I talked to you before because you used to be in Chicago a little bit. So yeah, yeah, I used to I used to pop in there. Basically, I pissed off my boss um, and embarrassed him in front of the team, and so he just took it as an opportunity to fire me. That was it. 
It was, it, it was very like sudden. Uh, I was tired. I didn't, I disrespected him. It was very, it's very, wrestling's very mafioso like. It's a weird fraternity. I imagine uh, cooking is not very different. You know, a lot of wacky people and just kind of knowing where people, where people have been, whom they've worked with, uh, earns a lot of stripes and bonding when you, when you actually meet them. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a, a tight knit group and kind of working in an industry where the hours are so obscure that you kind of end up forced into only being in contact with people that are in the same industry as you basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and that takes kind of years for that to happen. I know coming out of, so I went to college and then I went to culinary school uh, and then I started cooking and, you know, it took my family years to realize that like, no, I can't have Saturday off to go to a baby shower or whatever. So it's like my weekend in quotes (laughs) is uh, like Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. You know, that's when I'm off of work and which I enjoy, but it's definitely been like, I've fallen out of touch of many people I went to high school and college with, with, it's just, you know, you get invited to do something on a Saturday, six, seven, eight times. And then by the ninth or 10th, it's like, I'm not, I'm not reaching out to that dude again. He never comes. So, yeah, <laughs> do you, exactly. Did you work in high school? Yeah. Oh yeah. You work. Um, my first job, I think my first job was at Clem. I want to say it was a Clemens. It was on, what would that have been? 309? In centers. Well, there's one in, uh, in Springhouse right before you get to 309. Uh, yeah. N- across from like a drugstore where they eventually, where the Blockbuster went and uh, they eventually built a Gennardi's over there. Or maybe, no, they built a giant over there eventually. Sure. Yeah, that was the one. I, so I remember getting my, uh, like, you had to get like working papers. Working papers, yeah. In high school. And I was a grocery bagger there. That was my first job. And I kind of, I kind of mouthed off to my boss there. <laughs> I don't think I got fired, but I had to, something happened at school and I had to stay after school one day to retake a test. And um, I was 14 and I told my boss at, uh, I think it was Clemens. Yeah, Clemens. I told my boss, you know, I can't, I got to be an hour late to work. I got to take this test. And he gave me some line about, uh, it was time for me to decide like what was important to me in life. And I was like, dude, I'm a sophomore in high school. I'm going to take the test. And he told me not to come in. I was like, cool. Oh, that's great. I won't see you ever again. <laughs> like, who does that? What kind of guy does that to a 14-year-old? I'm, yeah. like, I'm trying to graduate high school. I'm not You're just in high school. You're 14. You're like a year in. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, you know, I'm going to skip a test because like, hey, well, fuck school. I got to bag groceries down at the Clemens. Don't mess up your future. <laughs> so that was my first job. And then... Right across from 309 Cinema, there was a bagel shop. I want to say Manhattan Manhattan Bagel. bagel. Was it Manhattan Still Bagel? Still there. 
Okay, that shopping center is still there. Is that oh yeah, there? with the with the uh, Whole Foods. Uh, right. And it was probably well, it used to be uh, Fresh Fields. Fields. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Chuck E. Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese. CCBY. Pharmacy, which I think is Walgreens now. Staples. Staples, yes. My brother-in-law worked at that Staples for a long time. TCBY. Mm-hmm. Hair Cuttery. Olive Garden. Olive Garden. Subway. Yes. That yeah. was the bomb shopping center, baby. Yes. I could walk to that place there. well. <laughs> I don't think kids do this anymore. That was probably like a two-mile walk, walk for me. But walk on a two-lane on a two-lane major road. Sure. With yeah. sidewalks. <laughs> We did that all the time, um, but I worked at that Manhattan Bagel, I think for a, a year maybe, and then Pete and I both got jobs at well, as soon as I could drive as delivery drivers at Tony A's. Yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, in was Bluebell, that, right across from Palermo's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to think because the pizza place that moved into the one by Clemens was Bravo Pizza. I think I was trying to think is it Bravo? Bravo, yeah. Like mm-hmm. the Bravos or Tony A's, but that confirms that Tony A's was in center square. Yeah. 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 So I worked all throughout high school. I know I had like, uh, like I said, my, my dad started doing like really well when we moved to Pennsylvania and people considered me a, a rich kid. I know my friends would say that, um, which, yeah, I think my dad did well, but my dad also grew up very poor. So like whenever I wanted money for things, it was like, go ahead and go get a job. Right. So that was kind of the attitude in my house. And that's not to say I wasn't privileged. I definitely, sure, sure. well, you know, I had a car when I was 16 and what kind of parents, uh, Honda Civic, green yeah. Honda Civic. Yeah. Stick my mom, my, oh, really? Oh yeah. I'm still proud that I'm one of the few remaining people. My car now is still uh, manual. So drives a drives a, a five speed. I got a six speed now. I've Ooh. gone up to a, a Accord. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my mom had a Honda Civic, and I remember that was like the thing in our era. I feel like the Honda Civic was like the car. Yeah. Uh, to have it was compact. It was affordable. Had a great stereo system that came with it. Uh, and you can also rip everything out of it and make it a sport car. <laughs> right. Yeah. I had thoughts of doing that and I never did, but I love that car. <laughs> wow. Uh, so for you, like, I don't know, being a rich kid, um, you worked um, for everything. So for you, like, I don't know, I, I worked at Wawa. I made six, no, I made five fifteen an hour uh, in high school. Probably got a, a 25 cent raise every year. Um, and I that was enough for me to pay for like stuff with my friends, uh, going to like get desserts or buffalo wings. That's probably where all my money went to. Um, for you, what did you spend your money on in life growing up? <laughs> well, uh, get, versus well, what would your parents take care of? I'm assuming clothes and things like that are what your parents Yeah, my parents took care of like clothes to an extent. Like if I needed clothes, they took care of it. Um, and they, you know, bought me that car. Um, but I worked to kind of pay for stuff that I wanted. You know, I paid for my own gas 
I probably spent most of my money on alcohol and weed <laughs> outside of high school. Yeah. So I don't know. And I've always been like my, I wasn't a great student in school, mm-hmm. but I think I've always had a very good work ethic, which I think I got from my dad. So I don't know. I've always enjoyed working right now is like the hardest time for me. I've been laid off for a little over a month and that's, I think that's the longest. I haven't held a job since around when I was 15 or 16. Cause I mean, I worked all through college and everything. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that was kind of like beaten into us, you know, not, not that I was abused or anything, but like, it was like, (laughs) like, you, you work, you show up to work on time when you're at work, you work hard, which I always did. But in school, I just didn't give a shit and not try hard in school at all. I don't think. Were your group of friends the same way academically? Were they, um, I mean, so you some stoner crew. So I pick, when you say that I picture again, everything is a movie to me. So I picture like the kids in clueless. Right. The, <laughs> yeah. Right. The skateboard um, kids and clueless. So was that your group of, were all you guys not very educational or was it just kind of your style? I think it was kind of my style. I don't know. Pete, I don't know if you remember, but he kind of, he went to Wissick in freshman year and then he got Us. into some trouble and left. And I think he finished, he went to New York for a year and then he finished at Lansdale Catholic which I okay. imagine was horrible just knowing Pete, but, um, we're talking Janik or Whitaker, 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 um, Doug and James were both, I think pretty good students. I mean, James, James did very well in high school. Yeah. He ended up going to James Madison university. And, um, so I think, I don't know. Yeah. We weren't like, uh, stereotypical stoner crew of just like nobody caring. Mm. I did okay in school. I mean, I was like a BC student, but I just didn't, I did not put effort in at all. Did anything feel out of place for you in that way? Like for me, my friends were not very academic. I think they were all into going to, into the workforce Um, for you. So for me, like I, I didn't have anything to compare it to anyone that was very academic. I would go, well, that's a nerd. Um, did you feel out of place with like James and Doug, or you say were like pretty good students? Did you like, did you feel like something was off in that way? Educationally, academically with them? Uh, I don't think so. No. Like Ryan talked about, you know, Ryan was friends with like Rishi and, and some of those guys who were extremely academic. And so he felt a little bit of a push and, and other people talked about feeling like they had like a, a little bit of a push because socially, you know, I guess what's it like when you're, when like James is getting, I'm assuming not B's and C's um, and you're getting B's and C's. I don't think we really talked about it. And it's not like our parents were sharing information about it. Like, you know, my kids doing this well and your kids not. So yeah, I don't know. And I think like my parents were strict, but I, I don't think, either of my parents ever thought that what you did in high school was going to like affect your life in some mm-hmm. grand way. You know, 
my dad was not a good student. He went to Youngstown State University for like political science or something. And he wasn't a great student and ended up doing well. So I think it was just kind of like, you know, like I said, work ethic was more important and spending time at work. Not not that my, my dad was like, go to your job and don't do your homework, but, um, I don't know. I I, like, I don't remember my parents ever being like, you need to step it up in school and like, Mm. you you need to get up to A's or anything like that. I was, was never like grounded for getting getting a C. C. Did your brother go to school? College? Yeah. Yeah. We both went to Bloomsburg. Uh, So when he leaves, uh, you're in 11th grade when he, once he's a freshman, yeah. Mm-hmm. So once that starts happening, is there any change for you as far as got to do what he's doing? Like now he's, I mean, you had an older, you had older siblings too, but was there any path for you to follow? I'm an only child. So I, I never really had like ideas as far as here's what you're supposed to do. And all my friends were the oldest brothers of the family. If they had sisters or brothers, they were, they were still the oldest. So I never had like really an example of here are the steps to take for college or here's what you should achieve or hope to achieve. Did that, any of that start clicking for you in any way with your, with now the brother who you were pretty social with going away to school? Um, like if I started to have a different sense of what I needed to do for myself, is that what you're asking? Yeah. Now that you're seeing, you know, a guy that you hung out with your brother that you hung out with versus, you know, eight-year-old eight eight year older sibling your brother's your brother goes to college do you start thinking gotta go gotta make it so i can get there with him or i have to go to my own college is does that make sense i I think i started to think about college more seriously i mean i remember studying hard for the sats and kind of (laughs) making like a too little too late kind of push (laughs) our senior year but and i wasn't like I wasn't like dead set on ending up at the same college as my brother, but I applied to, I don't know. I, I never really wanted to like get away from home. I wanted to, I wanted to get away, but I wasn't like, I need to be on the other side of the country or the other side of the world or anything like that. So I think I applied to only three or four schools all in Pennsylvania, maybe. Shippensburg, Westchester, Bloomsburg, um, like a couple different state schools. Those are the most popular ones. Uh, Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think my mindset changed. I think I started to think more seriously about like, what do I want to do? But honestly, even in college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And now I'm going to be 37 this year. And it's like, I kind of feel like I've just started being an adult <laughs> you know what I mean it's like got me beat. college college <laughs> was like a college was a wash and by the end yeah. of college I realized you know I was in a, a business major and I was kind of always high energy and didn't want to like kind of twitchy not knowing what I wanted to do couldn't sit still probably ADD um 
And by the time I got to the end of college, like I did, had a lot of cooking jobs in college to get me through college, to pay my bills there. And by the time I finished school, I was like, I don't want to do anything in the business world <laughs> at all. You know, like my junior year, I kind of decided that I wanted to go a different route. And um, I was encouraged to get my degree since I was so close. So I got a degree from Bloomsburg. And then I went, I think, a week after graduation to culinary school in Poughkeepsie, New York. Wow. So when you're in school, though, at no point are you thinking, what drew you to, what took you to business at Bloomsburg? Uh, or was it, was it specifically business at Bloomsburg? Was that like the? Yeah, yeah, business nature? management. I don't know. I probably thought I was following in my dad's footsteps a little bit, getting into the business world a little bit. And, but then I think I, Towards the end, when I was going into culinary school, I thought, all right, well, having a business degree can only help me with wanting to open my own business eventually, which it has. But uh, Yeah, that's a great point. Boy, I didn't even make that connection. <laughs> that's an awesome, that's an <laughs> awesome point. Brad, I didn't make that connection either back then. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. Um when you're leaving school or as your, what are your friends doing? Like as, as I don't know, I guess the school is like kind of wrapping up for you in high school. Um, what are your friends doing? How are you feeling about the transition? Well, that, that's what was you weird. going to Bloomsburg from Wizzahickon. So you're not going to not know anybody. There's probably like eight people at least off the top that are going there. Right. That you know. Right. The difference, the big difference for me was just that I started college, I think, like I said, I got accepted as a summer freshman, like my grades weren't good enough to get in all out, which I think Brianna had said the same thing. Mm -hmm. So we graduated high school and then I was in college like a week later. And like I said, I was 17. So a lot of my friends were like getting ready to experience, you know, post graduating high school, summer, right. party time. You're leaving right after senior week. No, before. I wow. drove I drove to senior week with Chrissy Benedict from Bloomsburg. So we had already had our first week of classes. Because I kind of remember I remember going to senior week and kind of being like I've been to like three frat parties already. You know? <laughs> Like, uh, I guess I'll go to senior week. Sure, but sure. Slump, I'll, super I'll step back and slum it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, like I had already been in college before everybody went to senior week. So that was, it was strange. And then the, the way it worked for me was I was a summer freshman and then there was a gap. So I wasn't there for the fall semester. So I think I might have even seen you. I took some classes at Monco in okay. fall 2001. Okay. Um, I was definitely there. And then I had, I had thought about being a teacher. I have no idea why, but I took a couple of education classes that semester and then um, switched to business. Somewhere so wait, like explain this to me. So you take summer classes at Bloomsburg, but then you come and take uh, first semester at Monco or fall semester at Monco? Yeah, I'm not like, 
I don't remember exactly, but you had to go to this summer program and you had to do well in order to be accepted, but that was still considered a semester, I guess. So you kind of, you then either, you were summer fall or summer spring and I was summer spring. So it's like your full school year was summer plus one other. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. So I kind of like, was. So you do an accelerated class. Yeah. I just, I took a couple classes because I thought it was going to get me ahead in college, even though it took me five years ultimately <laughs> to graduate. Same. But, Did you do, so you graduated in 06? Yes. Yeah. Same. Um, mm-hmm. So for you, like you're doing business, are you, what are you working? You're doing work when you're in college too. You're working through college. Yeah. But I worked at like local, I worked at like a sub shop up there for most of the time I was there, just like a sandwich shop. Yeah. Um, so I, I always worked at delis. Like, like I worked at Wawa forever uh, yeah. through college. Jealous. And, and <laughs> <why>? <laughs> Cause I love what, well, you haven't lived without Wawa for, you know, a decade, which I have. Yeah, you're right. You're not, right. <laughs> nobody um, understands what Wawa is. I feel lucky that I know Wawa from the old school days, back when we used to actually slice the turkey meats and mm-hmm. where it was all prepackaged and we used to make the pre-mades and we used to make the wraps and we made everything back behind the deli. Um, now, not so much, but um, I'm lucky, I guess, or I'm jaded because I was there for almost a decade. Have they, has Wawa fallen off? Can you go on record and tell me what, yeah. the last time I was home, I didn't feel like my sandwich was what I remembered it being. Yeah. So they've made a lot of changes to, to their service. So first of all, when I was there, used when I first started, we used to make strombolis. They don't do strombolis anymore. Number two, um, they do like, they make their own bread. And so we used to get Amoroso bread. And mm-hmm. not a thing anymore. They bake their own bread like Subway. It looks like Amoroso, but it's not Amoroso. So the bread's a little looser, maybe is the right term. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of that, so this is actually part of my end of Wawa. One of the things that I did my last year working at Wawa was I transferred after college. I transferred. So I worked at Wawa all through college. I would transfer every semester to the beach and then transfer back either to home or to the city, depending on where I was living when I was in college. And my final year, I transferred to corporate. And one of the things I was, I was doing there, the main thing I was doing at corporate was training um, SAP for all Wawa. Wawa was basically running on DOS the entire time I was there for their inventory. So like their messaging system was on DOS, their, their inventory when you scan like a pack of soda, it doesn't know how much soda is actually in that pack. And it doesn't know when you sell a pack of soda, how much soda came out. When I graduated, they moved basically to a Windows system. They needed to train everyone. So I went around all five states at the time. They weren't in Florida yet. I went to all five states where Wawa is and I trained all the employees on how to count product. And this new system could say, when Pepsi brings in uh, 12 packs, it knows there's 12 cans in the soda. Or in the in the pack, and if you bring in five packs, they know that there's sixty cans. And if you happen to break open one of those packs and put twelve cans in there, and you sell one can, 
they still know that you've got 59 cans, regardless mm. of whether you sold the pack or not. So I was training all the stores on learning stuff like that. But one of the things that it did because it got the inventory right was it got Wawa's financials right. And so they started learning that people are overscooping when they're making tuna wraps for the night before for the next day. They're making giants. It's shrink. And you know the term from working in food, right? Shrink and waste management or not waste, uh, loss prevention, um, mm-hmm. like that. And so they're realizing, oh my God, people are putting, we used to slice all the turkey. The turkey had to weigh 0.09 ounces. They're realizing people are overweighing on the turkey, overscooping on the chicken salad, the tuna. And so that is now Wawa is pre-wrapped everything. Yeah. The wraps come shipped in a, in a truck the same way the donuts do, the pre-made hoagies. Uh, all the stuff that's in that refrigerated case, if you've, if you've been in recently, is all shipped there. The turkey now comes in a package that's already separated by weight. Oh. They're very different. We used to slice our own cheese. Only like the American and the provolone came uh, actually in a package. Everything else is Swiss, Munster. Uh, we used to slice everything. Uh, we used to have Lebanon bologna, liverwurst. Like we had everything. Now Wawa does not have any of that stuff. <laughs> and, and anything they have comes completely pre-sliced, pre-weighed. Like, there's no way to fuck it up unless you're trying to cheat them. I may have uh, contributed to that data that got them there. I, did, did George Cortez work with you at the same while? Yes, so did Doug. Oh, Doug did too. Yeah. Because I remember so- a couple times, um, like, later in the evening going to that Wawa, and George actually let me make my own sandwich yeah. back there. That Wawa was super lax. That's the one I, <laughs> that was the one I, I was always at. That was the one I worked at the majority of my time there. Uh, yeah. I went to like maybe like junior year, I started leaving, going to other stores. But I kept working. Like I, for years, I was always like a sandwich guy, hoagie guy. Um, when did you start to realize you were actually had any talent, skill at cooking? Uh, man, I don't know. I, I was always into it. Like I was into the restaurant world, but I don't think I really knew how to cook like classically, I guess you would say until I went to culinary school. I mean, I did a lot of cooking at home just based off of what we had in our fridge. My mom's pretty good cook. Yeah. Um, my dad's okay too, but I just enjoyed doing it. And I don't think I ever thought I had skills. I still don't think I have a ton of skills. Um, you know, I learned a lot in culinary school and I just enjoy doing it. You kind of, you kind of have to enjoy doing it. It's not like a, it's not the most rewarding industry, I wouldn't say. So. When did you realize business wasn't going to be it? Did you attempt doing some sort of business thing out of college? Not really. I just, to be honest with you, I just could not sit still and I still can't, um, you know, like having, um, thinking about like those three hour classes, you know, when you had like a, only a single class a week and it was three hours long. Mm. Those were like, like that felt like solitary confinement to me sitting in a room for three hours with trying to take notes, Mm. trying to pay attention 
I was not good at it. And I just, at some point in college, I was like, I cannot sit at a desk. I cannot be in a cubicle. I can't just be sitting, staring at a computer. It's not going to happen for me. And it's, was a wise decision for me. I mean, I spend, you know, 12 hours a day on my feet and kind of active and engaged with several people. So do you panic at that point? Like you, you're three, I think you said it was junior year. You started to kind of realize that, right? Yeah. I don't think I panicked. I think, uh, I was in a weird spot. I was dating a girl from college for most of college. And, um, she started to give me a lot of flack for wanting to go to culinary school. And that was odd to me. Mm. Um, I actually ended up getting engaged to this girl, like right when college ended. And then we broke it off shortly after that. Um, But I don't think it was like, I don't know. I wasn't like, I wasn't scared about my future at that point. I just knew that I needed to do something different. Um, and I wasn't ready to just start working at like a, in a random job in the business world. Do you make an attempt? No, I uh, applied for culinary school before I graduated from Bloomsburg and I, that's cool. All my papers were in. And like I said, I don't, I don't even think I went home. I think I went straight from Bloomsburg to New York. Wow. Started Just like in high school. Yeah. So when we went to Bloomsburg. No mm-hmm. time in between. Mm-hmm. How was yeah. Poughkeepsie? It was cool. I liked it up there. It was an interesting area. I think kind of, I did a lot of partying in college at Bloomsburg. Bloomsburg was like a major, major party school. Um, so I feel like I experienced all that. And when I went to Poughkeepsie, I got my own apartment off campus and I kind of just kept to myself and Mm. went to school. I focused on school. I did really well. Um, I was good in class. I met my wife there, uh, which was great. But but like, I I think my, my attitude just shifted when I got there to like, it's not college anymore. Like this is, I need to start preparing for life. I've lived in in Philly. I've lived in California and now I'm in Chicago. And I would say that it's like... You were Northern, right? You were in Napa, right? Yeah, we lived in Santa Rosa, which is like uh, part of Sonoma County. So uh, west of Napa Valley. We're like uh, 60 miles north of San Francisco. Okay. Me and Ashley, we were living in Philly. We both wanted to travel. So in 2010, we just like, we packed up our shit and drove to California. We didn't have a job. We didn't have a place to stay. We took like a two week camping road trip and just drove out there. Um, We had a friend we stayed with for like two days and then found an apartment. And then the plan was to stay though. Yeah. Yeah. We both wanted to live out there. Um, we wanted to travel to live out there. So it was awesome. That was great. Like we took old route 66 down and around, um, camped in like 10 different States and yeah, it was great. But getting to California, was like when I started working 
everybody had this perception of East Coast people. Like, you're an asshole. You're from the East Coast, right? And it was like, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm an asshole, but I don't think it's because I'm from the East Coast. But I did kind of quickly realize that, like, it, it's very different there. It's very different. Like, people are... I mean- are nice, but it's not just that they're nice. It's like, like I said, there were people who just wouldn't come to work and be like, I didn't feel like working today. And their bosses would be like, yeah, you didn't, Johnny didn't feel like working today. It's all good. Like, what? Ah. This is not how the world works. You know what I mean? Wow. So that was like, that was hard for me. Cause I feel like uh, people had this perception that I was like this East coast, guy which i was asshole or whatever and it just seemed like people were too nice there yeah and um my wife is from detroit so she had lived with me in philly for a while we moved to california we got tired of like every time my sister had a baby or like one of our family members had a niece or a nephew like a baby born it was like a long flight home from California, trying to get time off to see family was tough. So we wanted to move back East, but we wanted to be closer to her family. So that's how we ended up in Chicago. We didn't, we didn't want to live in Detroit. So we, we basically same thing. We drove here without a spot to live. Ashley's, Ashley's cousin found an apartment for us. So we signed the lease without seeing the apartment and then just came here. Was the plan um, to always work in culinary regardless where, you know, once you end up there in Chicago? Yeah. We'll find something culinary, both of you? Yeah. So you met her in Poughkeepsie? I met her in Poughkeepsie, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we she went. moved with you specifically to Philly once you, once you were done and graduated? Yeah, so I, so like I said, I graduated from Bloomsburg and then I did like an associate's degree at culinary school. Um, and Ashley did like a bachelor's program there. Mm. So I finished in 06 and her and I were kind of, um, like starting a relationship and I had kind of like, I moved into Philly. I got a job. I started working there. And then she, when she finished school in 08, she just decided to move in with me and we kind of went from there. So we traveled a lot. Was that like your first like serious, when you talked about dating in high school, um, kind of, I don't know, didn't sound very serious about like, you kind of like dated a little bit, but like, so was this like your first like kind of serious relationship? Oh, you you were engaged prior, right? So (laughs) yeah, I was going to say, yeah. First serious one, Besides the engagement. Yeah. Yeah, but. Serious, I guess. I don't know, man. Dating is weird. Love is weird. I, the girl I was with in college, I thought we were very close, but uh, until I met my wife now, I don't think I really knew what like a healthy relationship was. Uh. Like the girl I was with in college, we. I thought we loved each other, but we argued quite often. And, um, 
Like, I just thought that was normal. Like yelling, scream, not like nothing abusive, but like yelling at each other a lot, like a lot of jealousy issues for both of us. Aggressive Uh, disagreements. Yeah, exactly. And again, it's like I graduated college. I was only 21, I think. I think I was 21 when I graduated. So I don't know. I just thought that was normal. And then um, I met Ashley in culinary school and kind of was like, oh, you can actually have a relationship with somebody that's calm and you actually agree with each other and enjoy each other and so that's something i'm starting to realize is that as people tell me their different stories about you know meeting whomever they end up with everyone's relationship and experience and comfortability is is very different um and i think i kind of harp on my comfortability but when you say like stuff like that that you know, you were kind of in this relationship prior and and it seems like almost you didn't have a grasp on a healthy relationship at that point, even though you were moving forward with stuff. And that's, those are things that I kind of take. And it's like, yeah, that sounds familiar to other stories that I've heard uh, from people in school and outside of school, just in life that I think like, ah, yeah, I need to chill the fuck out. Like everyone kind of moves at their own pace and finds what they like at the right time. Yeah. Again, like I said, I think it's different times. I mean, you know, like I said, my, my parents had four kids before they were age 30 and it's like, I think it took me until 30, 31, 32 to be like, this is what makes me happy. This is what I enjoy. Um, How much did cooking have to play in your enjoyment of the relationship? Yes. A good amount. I mean, we, we met in culinary school, so I think we both had um, a passion for cooking, but we both had a passion for like traveling too. So it's hard to say that. So what kind of travel, I mean, so you guys obviously picked up everything and and moved uh, from Philadelphia to California. uh, But was there other travel around that? Yeah. Uh, So, so we went to California in 2010, I think. And then when we kind of got tired of there, we wanted to come back. We kind of decided we were going to come back to Chicago, but we spent like eight months in Europe before we came back. Wow. Here, uh, which was awesome. Where? We did, this, we did this thing called woofing. Have you ever heard of that? Woofing? <laughs> like wolfing? <laughs> So it stands for uh, Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. And it's like this program you spend, I don't know, 50 bucks to get like a access to this catalog of farms across the world that are looking for help. But it's not just, it's not looking just Looking for farms. what kind of help? What kind of help? Like, what do you mean? It could be anything. It could be from like, you know, scooping cow shit in a uh you know in a barn to like um what we did was we found a woman who owned a bed and breakfast in italy and needed help like with her bed and breakfast so what the cooking at her house yeah (laughs) that's awesome 
so the what the program does it like matches you up you just get a catalog of like people who are looking for help and then you reach out to those people on your own it's not like besides the 50 bucks you pay to get this catalog it's on mm. you after that so we so the university no one's reaching out and saying we're part of this program that you guys are involved in and we're going to move these kids into your into your house it is you've got to actually call and make the connection and say, I would like to come work. Right. I mean, the host is involved in the program and you're involved in the program, but there's no like documentation. So we, mm. we wanted to go to Europe and we found wow. a couple different people there. So we spent eight, I think eight months. We went and spent a month with a family on an Island, um, Southern Italy called uh, Ischia which is right near Capri. We spent a month there helping people with a hotel and their garden. The way it works is that these people give you a place to live and give you three meals a day. And then, you know, you're not paid for your work. You're just, they're just helping you live there. So we spent a month on that island. And then we spent about six months with this woman and her husband in, um, Benedello, which is like right outside of Bologna, Italy. She owned a bed and breakfast and we spent six months there uh, cooking at her bed and breakfast, cooking for the guests, cleaning the rooms. Um, mm. They would take us everywhere. They took all their guests on like tours of Parmesan factories, prosciutto factories. That's so we awesome. were like able to go for free on those tours as part of being like part of their labor force. Um, I was having a little sopressata. Nice. There you go. <laughs> it's fitting. And then part of that trip, we spent, I think, two weeks in London and then a month uh, fishing at a salmon fishery in Scotland. Wow. Um, and all of that was like, we paid for our, you know, transport, and then the people we stayed with paid for everything else. We just worked. How long have you been in Chicago to where you started? Um, I guess going into, I used to, I was following your Instagram years ago when you're like posting lots of food stuff, but how long until you actually got into your own business? What was happening there? Uh, so we got to Chicago in 2013, I think. And I uh, started working for a guy at a restaurant um, in a neighborhood called Pilsen. And I worked for that guy for about a year. He left that restaurant and, and like took some time to take care of his kids and told me he was going to open his own restaurant eventually, which he did in 2016. So I helped him open a restaurant there with about like four or five of my old coworkers. And I spent uh, three and a half years there from like 2016 until 2019. I opened that restaurant, we worked there, everything went well there. And uh, he offered me a partnership at a new restaurant we were gonna open. So wow. me and a good friend of mine through work here. Um, 
were offered partnership at this new restaurant, which we opened January 20th. We opened it. Took like a year and a half to get it to open. It was a lot of work. Yeah. What's the opening process like? What, what do you have to go through through that year and a half? Uh, it's intense. There's a lot of marketing that goes on for trying to promote the new place. Um, we bought a building that was a restaurant for like 12 years prior. So we had to basically gut it and rebuild it. Uh, so then you're dealing with a GC, a general contractor who's doing a lot of the gutting. And then once wow. the GC is done, you've got to have, you know, your interior designer comes in and your interior designer is battling with the GC. And I don't know if you've ever, do you own your place there? Do you, do you rent or rent? Yeah, I've been renting this okay. whole time. Yeah. I can't handle well, the stress of like my AC not working <laughs> and what that would well, cost me. When you own a place, um, which my wife and I do, you'll see that you're all of those things, but, um, you know, things go wrong. Things go wrong in the building. The contractor can't get things done. And then people start to blame each other. The GC is blaming the interior designer. The interior designer is blaming the GC. Um, it just gets dragged out contracts, mm -hmm. permits, getting contract, getting permits through the city for what you want to get done, done. Um, it takes time. So yeah. like, and during that time where we're kind of dealing with trying to get everything done, me and my partner, Aaron, the other chef there are kind of just testing recipes, trying to get the menu in order at the other restaurant we worked at full time. So we spent are you trying out recipes at that place that you know, you're going to bring onto your new menu. Yeah, basically testing them out just for us to see. And then we would put like uh, an occasional special on the menu at our other restaurant that was promoting the new place. So uh, Asian fusion, was that a passion? Where did that become a passion for you? Or how did that become a, what this was, was from your side? Was that something you were into? A lot of different things. I've always been interested in... Asian food, I guess I would say Chinese food, but, um, you know, at restaurants, you make family meal every day, which is just, you know, you're making food for the whole staff to eat. Okay. So a lot of the food we would make for family meal would be like stir fries, Chinese food. Um, mm. and then I am the only non Jewish partner in my business. So, the other five partners all have like this nostalgic um, thing of growing up eating Chinese food, especially on Christmas, Christmas. And, like, holidays and stuff like that. So I'm the only non-Jewish guy that's wow. like those, these two things have been kind of like the genesis of what made us open this place. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, so no one's actually Asian in the group? No. And that's like, you know, 2012, that wouldn't be an issue. But 2020, that's an issue, man. Yeah. Cultural appropriation and... Sure, wow. 
we're not uh, looking to profit off of someone else's culture. It's kind of just, we love cooking this food. We love eating it and we're just trying to put it out there. So that's cool. Um, Has it prior to this happening, you know, it's, uh, it's April, it's the end of April now. So uh, three, a little over three months ago is when you guys really started, I guess, when you guys opened prior to that happening, was it, going the way you were hoping, working out the way that you wanted it to be. I guess you really only had like a month and change to feel it out. We had almost two months and it was going very well. (laughs) It was going really well. So it's like kind of a mind fuck for me. It's, you know, I've worked hard on getting the business to open and all of us have. And um, we were having a good amount of of success and, we just had to shut it down. So hopefully it, hopefully it picks back up, you know? Um, do you want to talk about your brother at all? Sure. Um, so he passed in 2015. So five years ago, um, I looked through your, obviously looking through your Instagram, um, you know, you post about him, just remembrance of him. Um, do you want to talk about like how he passed, what it was like for you? five years ago, what that world was like for you? Sure. Um, I mean, it was a major shock. Uh, obviously you're not expecting somebody you're close to, to die all of a sudden. Um, we had just bought this house that me and my wife live in and we bought it. We kind of signed the papers in December of 2015 And then I remember being in here for, I don't know, a week. And then like three days after Christmas, my sister called me and said that uh, my brother's wife had called her and said my brother wasn't feeling well and had turned blue. And they were living in Brooklyn at that point. Um, And... So I freaked out. I didn't know what to do. I called my sister-in-law and kind of, she was freaking out. There were paramedics in their apartment in um, Brooklyn. And I ended up on the phone with my brother's neighbor. And, uh, you know, we were on the phone for like 10 minutes. And then I guess the paramedics called it. And, uh, the neighbor like very crassly told me he didn't make it. He didn't make it. He's dead. So that was kind of like, you know, just bought a house here. It was like three days after Christmas. Um, and that was the news we got, like the, he's gone. And it was, uh, extremely shocking. You know, like I said, I was, really close to Joe. He was always very good to me. Um, so that's like, I know you were an only child, but this was like at that point, 30 years of my life where I've had 30 years with this guy all the time, you know, Mm -hmm. we talk all the time. So he died out of the blue and we didn't really know what happened. Um, he had some drug problems in the past and we thought everything was cool. Everything was good. Um, but, but 
once we got the autopsy, not until like three months later, we realized that he died of a drug overdose. It was a mm. opiate overdose, um, which at that time in Brooklyn, there was like a big problem with people selling counterfeit pills that weren't, it was like Oxycontin that had, um, what do you call it? What's that other painkiller? Um, it's like way stronger. Percocet? No. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Like, but it was like way, like way, 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 way stronger than Oxy and people were, and it's cheaper for some reason. So a lot of drug dealers were like, you know, selling fake pills and I don't know. I'll never know exactly what happened, but <clears throat> I think he thought he was taking something and he was taking something else and it, you know, had a heart attack instantly on the scene. It was, uh, that's, it's been tough, man. That's been like a tough recovery since then. He was married and his wife was six months pregnant with their first child when that happened. Jeez, man. Yeah. Um, I remember when it happened. Um, I never saw it. I never, um, I was shocked. Um, just from, I think I, I really just connected with you on Facebook when it all happened. Um, and to be honest, I, I, I was really sad. Um, I didn't even know how to, how to, um, respond to it. You know, I feel like there's always an obligatory, um, condolences, sending my prayers thing. Um, I just felt a lot of sadness at the time when it happened and didn't even know how to, um, I never really talked to you. I never said anything about it. Even though, you know, I consider us like Facebook, happy birthday friends. That's right, right, right. that type of thing. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, and so with that comes, you know, the obligatory, I'm so sorry for you. I didn't really know how to respond to it, but I felt, um, extra sorrow that I didn't really know how to talk about it with you, um, or say anything <laughs> when it happened. No, man. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any appropriate, response i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't wish on my worst enemy to lose a sibling like that and i mean for my parents to lose a child it's tough it's like i still i still have days where i wake up and like think of things like the eagles winning the super bowl and i'll be like oh man i gotta text joe about that and then it's like i have moments mm. of forgetting that he's gone um and I know you've had death in your life with close friends too. And it's just, it sucks, man. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's funny you mentioned that events that happen in the world are the things that with Ray that I think about, I wonder what Ray would think about this, or I wonder what Ray would think about that, or man, if Ray could see this happen, those, I think about those things as far as like big life moments, um, in the world. Um, I, I, I think about it in that, in those type of terms, like what would my friends say? Um, if you were here to watch this on the news, like I'm watching it. Yeah. It's weird. Do you have, yeah. do you have dreams with Ray still? Yeah. And I, I remember when Ray first passed and my mom said, you know, when your friends pass, you'll always see them as you last saw them, like as they were. So it's, it is weird that I don't, when I have dreams about Ray, he's 18. Right. You know, and I'm, I'm 35 with a full beard and he was just growing goatees at that age. And, um, 
but he's always like, he's always that 18 year old kid that I see with like the slick back hair and pretty much baby face. And, um, yeah, but yeah, I still have, I, I see him in dreams and this is weird, but they're always in generally 90% of the times they are in, I am back from the dead type of dreams, um, where some miracle has happened and he's back and it's like a can't take it for granted type of thing. And so I have to fill him in on life at over the last 20 years. And, um, yeah, that's, that's how I generally 90% of the time probably dream about him of, Hey dude, I'm back. And now we're just going to start picking up being best friends again, uh, in the world and fill me in. That's funny. I wonder, I wonder what that is in the brain because you, you have a lot more years than me on that, but you know, so my brother died five years ago, but a lot of dreams I have with him in it are like, I know he's dead, but I'm talking to him like you died, you're back now. So there's like this weird, like, I know he's dead in the dream, but he's always still the same age, but we're kind of talking about like, all right, well now you're back from the dead. So that's, that's exactly, I know the rate, I know the rate died. Um, but he's back. Something's happened that's brought him back. And we're now like, he's like, Hey dude, I'm, you know, and it's, it's always like this weird thing of, I've never gone this deep into any of this with this, with anyone. (laughs) Um, no, no, it's, it's cool. Um, it's always like, um, you know, I don't want to pressure him. He's home. It's almost like someone gets home from jail and it's like, okay, well he's home. Uh, he's back on South Chestnut street. And, um, and it's like, okay, I know he's home and I want to just hang out with him the whole time. But, and in the dream, I'm thinking like he's got his mom and his, and his dad and his sister, and I got to give him some time. And so maybe tonight I'll call him and see if he just wants to drive around town with me. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's a conscious, it's a conscious memory that he had, he had died and that he's now back, like you mentioned, and it's trying to adapt to that world and not trying to overwhelm him, overwhelm him with, you know, of, of here's new life or I just want to hang out with you. Um, it is very conscious, like you mentioned. Yeah, it's very strange. I mean, like I said, I, you know, when somebody dies, they stay their age of their death. So it's like I see my brother a lot in dreams at his age. And like I said, I, in high school, he introduced me to a lot of friends and then I went to the same college as him. So once he died, I've had like a ton of reflection that's had to happen about like what, who I am or it's been difficult, you know, I don't know if you've ever had any therapy over death or anything like that, but it's, it's kind of a, it's a real mind fuck to, to deal with those. Kind yeah, of- I think, I think, um, I never have. Um, and I mean, sadly, I think the show gives me a lot of therapy. Um, I probably should have, you know, you are like the therapist. You're like our high school therapist now. Yeah. Except, you know, sometimes, <laughs> except sometimes I express things and then someone's like, Brad, that's not how we saw it. And, and this was this way. So sometimes people give me the therapy. And just talking about it with people is therapeutic. Um, but, you know, for me, like, I never, like, sought therapy about Ray. Um, and I've never really sought therapy about anything. I always try and look at myself as, um, 
I don't know. I try to be honest with my character, um, even if I'm not honest with other people. And that's probably the the only form of therapy I've given myself where I can I can tell myself that dude, your head, even if I don't understand it, just to know that hey, your head was fucked up in this situation. Um, you don't remember this the same way this person remembers it, um, or you were just completely out of line. I'm able to be honest with myself, even if I'm not honest in that moment with the people that are in those situations. Uh, but I've never done therapy over those things. It's probably something that would help. Sure. Yeah, I have not a ton, but yeah, yeah. I mean, just dealing with uh, loss and grief and all that. I feel like, uh, I don't know when we were in high school, maybe that wasn't like such a common thing, but I feel like having some, some sort of therapy, somebody to talk to is, is definitely very helpful. Yeah. I don't think I ever really talked to anybody. It's funny, I guess. I don't think I ever really talked to anybody about Ray. Um, I probably now more so talk to people about Ray during the podcast. Sure. Um, as you know, people remember him and I'm like surprised just because, um, like I said, we weren't in like any type of a, a crew like that. We were a very small clique of friends that were mainly based on, uh, proximity to where we lived. Um, but you know, I think when people have, people have memories of him and, or have other tragic, um, incidents that have happened in their, especially high school life that I can relate to. Um, that's probably the bulk of where I talk about Ray. Whereas I don't think prior to 20 years before all this, I didn't talk about him much other with like, other than with like my mom or, or Ray's mom or Ray's sister or dad. Like that was, you know, that was about it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like our high school has dealt with a lot of death. I mean, yeah. for, for me, obviously losing a sibling has been way harder than anything else, but a lot of people have died that we went to high school with, man. And that's, yeah. uh, it's a weird feeling. Yeah. It, it definitely, um, the majority of people that have come on the show, um, have, some sort of connection to somebody that has passed, um, you know, from even ones that were like shocking to me, like Aram, uh, talking about Kidam, and I didn't even realize that he had passed. Um, Alicia talking about Mike the Digit, uh, who she went to prom with. Um, and then, you know, the obvious ones like Ray, like Bethany. Um, so yeah. And even, you know, Brad Trout, we were just talking about on the zoom with Brad Troutman, whom Alicia talked about having a crush on. Um, there's a lot of students in our class, but so for you, do you, you're in Chicago. Do you get to, I mean, I know you were coming back to Philly from time to time. I would see you kind of check in on Facebook, um, for games, Eagles games, things like that. But do you get to now over the last few years, uh, deal with people from was uh, people that we all grew up with? Is that still part of your life on a regular basis or is it more sporadic now? It's pretty sporadic. I, uh, I stay in touch with Pete pretty well. Um, Jay, Jay comes here somewhat often. He works in logistics and he comes to Chicago once a year or so. So I see Jay maybe once a year out here. Um, I come home for Eagles games because my dad, he, when my parents retired, they moved to South Carolina. Oh. Moved to South Carolina. 
my parents' next door neighbor was from Philly and he had four season tickets to the Eagles. He didn't want them. He offered two to my dad. What? So he, keeps, he keeps two. My dad bought two off of him. So my dad has two tickets to the link every year. So, you know, pre my brother dying, it was like me, my dad, my brother split those up or we would all try to go to a game. And then my um, two sisters' husbands are also involved in divvying out those tickets. So I come home like twice a year to go to the link for a game. Oh, yeah. It's like I basically fly home. My dad picks me up from the airport. We go to the link, watch a game, and I go to the airport, and I fly back to Chicago. You get a cheesesteak before? Sometimes. Uh, we, I try to take my dad out to dinner. There's some good new places in the city. So, um, Listen, I'm all about people moving to Philly. So if I can entice you, if I can entice you in any way to come back to Philly, once it's up, man, the restaurant scene in Philadelphia is bonkers. I tell you what, I've managed to do well here. I have my own restaurant, which is now closed because of this stupid fucking virus. But <laughs> I think eventually I'll be back in Philadelphia and I love it there. So, uh, I don't know. Is there anything, uh, from all this that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to talk about? Uh, I don't think so. I had some weird stories that I thought of as I was, um, thinking about this podcast over the past couple of weeks, made me think a lot about high school and I was thinking about things that happened and, things I did. And um, one of them was that I remembered breaking into Wissahickon High School with somebody who you probably remember, Lauren Hilton. Yeah, I remember Lauren. And I have no idea why we did this. I couldn't remember if it really happened or not, but... (laughs) I actually, I DM'd her on Instagram. I haven't talked to her in years. Yeah. The other day I DM'd her and I was like, hey, I feel like I remember us breaking into the high school. And she said, absolutely. You and I did that. Wow. Um, and I have no idea why we did that. But <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like 10th or 11th grade. It must have been the 11th grade. Yeah, was we had class. I remember yeah. having class with you and Lauren Hilton. We had block scheduling together. Oh, okay. When we had, uh, so I think it was maybe math. And I can't remember who our math teacher was. And I think it was English with Mr. Curcio. Curcio, favorite teacher of mine. Yeah. Favorite. But it was block scheduling. We had it in like a, a like a half a room, a half a classroom. Um yeah, and that's I, that's like the only class I truly, truly remember having with you. <laughs> well, I was out with Lauren, and we used to hang out, and I don't know what we were doing, but we ended up at high school. Um, and if you're looking at the high school from the front, the back left, there was like a 
single floor there. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was, but there was like a, you could get up on the roof from there. And we got up on the roof and the door was open. There was like a door open in there. I have no idea why we were there. I asked her about this the other day and she says, I don't know. I think we were just fucked up and wanted to go to school. And we got into school at like nine o'clock at night. We walked into there and just walked around the hallways for like two hours. Okay. Didn't do anything bad. Didn't steal anything. Didn't cause any ruckus. Didn't change any grades or anything? (laughs) No. Didn't bust into any offices or anything. We just walked in there and roamed around. So that was a weird memory. That would be cool. I think that would be kind of cool, to be honest. Yeah, and what's funny is, like, I feel like, um, I don't know, I was, was doing bad things in high school, but this particular thing, we just went there and wanted to get in. We wanted to get into the school and just roam the hallways for maybe two hours. Okay. Did nothing wrong. All right. That's okay. Yeah, it's all right. Fine, right? Is that yeah, all right? There's no, no problems with that. Breaking into the school? It's fun. Honestly, sounds pretty fun. <laughs> I would have loved to like roam school at my own free will, knowing that I was doing it at my own free will, you know? I'm sure we were scared. We didn't do anything wrong in there. there was yeah, no- what was going to happen? Tyrone going to come get you? Tyrone. Do you remember what we called Tyrone? No. What was it? Our name for Tyrone was 2.5. Because he was half of a 5 Yeah. So I remember a lot of times, like, skipping um, skipping homeroom or we'd go to Costa's for breakfast. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, I'm 18. Give me Marlboro Light. And was, you know, are you sure you're Yeah, 18? sure. Show me your ID. Yeah. Yes, I'm 18. Well, Tom, this would be the uh... – the moment that I normally, if this was in person, I would uh, ask you to sign my yearbook. Oh, well, how do I? Uh... It's not, it's not <laughs> available. So all I can do. Oh, look, that's me. Let's show you. Well, here, here's what I'll do. I'll, uh, I'll sign it. And I'll mail it to you. Text me your address. I'll send it to you. And then we'll you can airbrush it on. Your, yeah, yeah. You can post it note it to your book. You know? When this is all done, you'll have to, uh, when you come back to Philly, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to meet up. You'll have to do a signing. Well, I hope we can. I mean, I try to come home twice a year to see an Eagles game. So yeah. you're yeah. close enough. I can. Oh, yeah. I can meet you for a beer or something like that. Yeah. That'd be great. Hopefully this is all sometime soon in the future. This yeah. lets up. We'll all drink our bleach and we'll be, <laughs> we'll be good after that. We'll be, it's the cure-all. <laughs> that was Tom Scuderi. Some really personal stuff that we talked about uh, with Tom and his brother. So I want to thank Tom for sharing Tom is at Chef Special in Chicago, and they're doing takeout now. So if you're in the area, you can support Tom and his team. 
it's always interesting how certain things can be bonding, like music and humor. And I think Tom and I definitely vibed on a certain type of sense of humor. And really, we talked for hours. And that's something that is very new for me to be able to still conduct really long interviews just over Zoom, much like I would do face to face on a Friday night or Saturday night. In two weeks, my guest, as I mentioned at the top of the show, will be Jessica Ignol. This is the original talk that we had before what is already up on YouTube. So in this interview, we'll get to hear a lot about Jess the athlete, uh, the influence of her family, and the first message Jess wanted to actually give everyone about being a police officer. So that will be in two weeks on a Monday morning. You can subscribe to the podcast everywhere. You can do the same on YouTube at youtube.com slash redshirtplaya. You can follow the Facebook page at WWFNHS and on Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School. All right, that is it for me. I'll see everyone again in two weeks on a Monday morning with my guest, Jessica Ignon. Later. <laughs>